Hi, hi, hi. It's Amber, and you're listening to Amber on Podcasts. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode number two. I'm really excited about this one because we're talking about my favorite subject. I love to make jokes about this subject. I love to ask questions about this subject. I love to watch this subject, discuss this subject, think about this subject, and fantasize about this subject. What is the subject? Sex! Episode number two, brought to you by yours truly, is going to be discussing sex. And I'm going to bring up a few issues subjects, rather, that I want to bring to everyone's attention. And before I do so, I want to make it very clear that I am not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm simply providing the information that I've learned that I found, um, well, it helps me understand things better so that I can live my life in um, a more full and loving and helpful way, which is what I intend to impart on you. So shall we begin? Also, just one pesky little housekeeping detail, but given the subject matter that we will be discussing, it's not for everyone. So if you don't think it's for the people that you're with, then you know what to do. And thanks. Ah, Tim Ferriss. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't. But I had a long affair with Tim Ferriss. Last summer, rather, no, 2018. We're in 2018 now, but um, 2017, yes, that was last year, I discovered Tim Ferriss, Mr. Tim Ferriss, and I was stricken. I listened to his podcast and I was blown away. I was amazed at his mind and he seemed so similar to me in the way that his thought process works. And I was so excited to find someone who was like-minded. And I I really, really went hard on Tim Ferriss. And when I say went hard on Tim Ferriss, I I listened to four to six hours a day for about two to three months of his interviews, his podcast. And I purchased his book, Tribe of, no, I'm sorry, Yes, Tribe of Mentors. He has two now, and I'm getting them both confused, but I'll link that in the show notes so you have the information there. It's a beautiful book. The orange one is the one I'm speaking of, not the new yellow and black one. At any rate, I was obsessed, and I did a lot of study on Tim Ferriss before I found my favorite person of all time, James Altucher, who is my spirit animal. And when I was studying Tim Ferriss, I did the same thing that I do with all my podcasts, but again, I was obsessed. And it was like I discovered um, a new world, a a new group, a tribe that, oh, it goes back to his Fuck! Isn't that cute? Full circle. Okay, I found a new tribe with Tim Ferriss, and I was really, 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 I remain really excited about it. However, when I started to reach out, I I needed more resources, and eventually Tim's podcast wasn't enough. And now, mind you, the reason also that I I spend so much time listening to Tim Ferriss is that his podcasts are quite long, um, and some of them are three hours long. And so that explains why it was taking up so much of my time. And at at this point, I'm really caught up on, I've listened to just about all of them to date. So again, I'm I'm a diehard fan. But what I did find is that eventually I needed more material because he wasn't, he wasn't enough for me as so many men have been. No, I kid, I kid. But there was just wasn't enough uh, coming from him, from his podcast. And I'd, I'd had his, I had his book by that point which really helped uh, as an uh, assistant to the podcast. A lot of the podcasts that I was listening to actually ended up being written about in the book. So it was kind of repetitive, but it was like I had sort of a uh, a really great book of notes that I didn't have to create myself, even though I did that also because, you know, I'm a good student. So Tim Ferriss ran out of his material, started finding new people. One of the reasons uh, that I started to grow away from Tim Ferriss also, and this is a frequent complaint or I, let's call it a complaint. Sorry, Tim. Uh, but it is that he comes across as cocky. Now, I 
I I understand this. I would say that at times, um, depending on where I am in my life, I would even agree uh, with this comment. But it's interesting from from me from my experience going back and listening to him now, especially in this in this podcast, which is what we're going to cover today, is Tim Ferriss's podcast about sex. Uh, listening to him now, it's very disarming um, to have heard this feed this feedback from other people saying, "Oh, really? It's a lot of women." And I think that Tim Ferriss for women isn't maybe I don't know how many other women listen. I do know some, but not anyone who really sticks with it and is diehard. And I think that. Well, I have a lot of ideas for why I think that that is, but from a lot of women, I hear that he comes across as cocky, and I and I haven't heard this from any other, from any male. So I think that this interview that he has with with uh, Alice Little about about sex and sex work is really really disarming, and I re- I recommend for on his part, I think that um, I recommend any woman that. If you want a good laugh and you want to get your 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 scale, your rating of Tim Ferriss back, you know, back up so you aren't having an uncomfortable experience when you listen to him, listen to his interview with Ellis Little because it's so disarming because he's just such a, a man asking sex questions and it's really, really hilarious. And you will literally LOL, as I did many, many times when I was taking notes, I was laughing and writing LOL next to every question that I wrote down that he asked because it was so hilarious. So... I love you, Tim. He's not too cocky, especially in this episode. So here we go. The topic is sex work specifically. And sex work is uh, legal only in one state. That is Nevada. He has an interview. Tim Ferriss interviews Alice Little. The the title of this interview, I believe, is The Erotic Playbook, something like this, um, which is a hilarious title because I feel like it was written by Tim. And the way he asks questions in this in this interview is just so hilarious and so technical and makes it just anyway. I digress. Alice Little is his guest, and she works at the Bunny Ranch in Nevada. She's a sex worker. I said this before, and I'm just going to say it again, is that I'm not trying to change anyone's mind about sex. Well, actually, I am kind of trying to change your mind about sex, because I think everybody should be talking about it and having it. But I am not trying to change your mind about sex work. I'm merely trying to share the information that I got, which is great. So Alice Little works at the Bunny Ranch, and Tim... He tells the story of how he got a text from a friend saying, oh, you got to interview this girl, Alice Little, who works at the Bunny Ranch. And so he did. She came on and she was great, actually. You know, I was really, really interested to see how, how this would go. And I wasn't really expecting to learn very much from her. I guess I am a cocky sex person. I I was, I li- continued to listen to the episode because Tim Ferriss sounded so hilarious when he was interviewing her. But then after that in- initial shock wore off and I stopped laughing at him, I sorry, Tim, <laughs> I was really stricken by the information that Alice Little was sharing. She is a really, really great guest interviewer, interviewee and speaker and has a really clear understanding of who she is and what sex work is. So let's get into it. I have a few points that I want to bring up that I think are really the gems from this conversation. As I mentioned earlier, Tim's Fer- Tim Ferriss's podcast, Tim Ferriss's podcasts are quite long. So here's where I come in. Surprise, I get to bring you the Cliff's Notes version, version, version virgins. I took this two and a half, two hour long podcast and reduced it down to the most important points that are shared therein. So here we go. Number one. So you you know me now. And if you know me, you know that I am a very giving person and I would never talk about sex without offering sex tips. And I have to say that, again, I was really excited to hear some new information because I, I think that, well, I know that the majority of my sex education came from 
my mother, thank you, mom, Cosmopolitan Magazine, Seventeen Magazine in the 90s, and my own personal experience. There's a little porn asset in there, too. Like, I've seen porn before, but I didn't see porn very often prior to having sex. So I feel like sex was really a discovery for me. I didn't really know what to expect. All that to be said, the sex tips that Alice Little provides. Now, Tim goes through and he asks several questions about, you know, I mean, just about anything that you would wonder but he says it in a hilarious way. I'm thinking, as again, as a woman asking these questions, hearing a man ask these questions, <laughs> the difference that you can imagine for yourself is why it's so incredibly entertaining. He says things like, "What are what's the duration? Um, you know, he asks about a blowjob and the specific ways to do it. And he compares, he says, you know, oh, how should you, what, should, what are you doing with your hands? And she says, you know, could you cup the balls? And he says, cup them how? And she says, well, and she goes, <laughs> he, he says to her, you mean cup them like a little baby bird? And I'm like, wow, this is really helpful insight to Mr. Ferris's brain, baby bird balls. At any rate, she gives helpful tips, one of them being, yes, hold the balls when you're giving a blowjob. But the, the one that I want to talk about that I think is the most interesting and was new for me, he asked her specifically what men request. And they request the typical stuff, like they want a blowjob, they want a threesome, they want like a fetish thing, or they're virgins, right? And she says that aside from that, aside from those basics, those experiences, rather, they want you to look them in the eye. They think that, or it's really, first of all, she says that a lot of women have a, a habit of closing their eyes when they have sex. Now, same, hi. Um, but I also know that it's mattered to me to have my eyes open when I have sex, mainly because I want to see what he's doing. And also, like, once you kind of start getting into it and you're really doing that, you can sense another person's body and kind of see more clearly, you know, if you're what you're doing is working or not, basically, if they like it. So uh, she says that, you know, that's one of the most commonly requested things is that people keep their eyes open and look into each other's eyes when you're having sex. Now, a really easy way to understand this is what Tim says. Shout out to Tim for um, not sounding awkward at all in this question or discussion. But he says... You know, it's so true because so many people have such a difficult time looking each other in the eye, even when they're just speaking to one another, let alone having sex. So you can imagine. I mean, I'm very much like a, a I like to look people in the eye when I talk to them anytime I, I try to practice it often. So I'm very familiar with that and how often people tend not to be so comfortable or those that do. There are some, some people who are really comfortable and I just feel like I, I kind of feel closer to those people automatically um, just because I come away from that having had that connection versus somebody who was even on their phone, you know, looking at their phone instead of looking at me when they're talking or listening or what, what have it. Uh, so yeah, look at your partner when you're having sex. That's easy, right? Everyone can do that. Well, except for the blind, I guess. Tip number two is to ride your man. She says it precisely like this. She says, ride your man. Now, I have long understood the value of being on top uh, during sex. And I have also understood the embarrassment of being on top when having sex. And I've had both. And more recently, I've had the the, af the aforementioned the confidence because I am beautiful, amazing female. However, there was a time when I did not love my body and I thought I was fat or I had a role or something was going to bounce funny or whatever it may be. My boobs were going to sag weird when I bent over. And I didn't feel so comfortable up there. And what a shitty thing, you know. So I just, that's the number two tip is to ride your man because he's so happy to have you there. Like every woman should feel beautiful and powerful in that way. And never, you know, ever, ever shame your body or think that you're, you look anything less than beautiful and amazing when you're making love to your man and you're on top. Like Shira, Yeah. So. Open your eyes, get on top. Those are easy. Number two. This is probably the biggest part of the interview. The part that I got the most out of because it's 
who is Alice Little? Why is she working at a brothel? What does it mean to work at a brothel? Who comes into a brothel? How much do they charge? What does she get paid? What does she do? What do they ask? What do they use? What do they eat? All that. It makes a lot of sense now after hearing her explain exactly what this work is. And it's not lost on me. I am a female and I've known and had many friends that have done similar lines of work. Now, whether that be a stripper or a a sex worker, a legal sex worker, uh, because there's only one legal place, brilliant, sort of like weed, but there are a few more. You know something? At least least sex work should be legal where the weed is legal. That would be an easy just one. Like it seems most likely at least they, since they understand and are a little bit more evolved as a state might understand this. At any rate, I digress. Alice Little. Now, she was recommended by Tim Ferriss's friend, who probably visited her at the Bunny Ranch. Oh my gosh, and her website is so good. I highly suggest taking a look at that. It's thealicelittle.com. I'll have the link in the in the show notes. Uh, it's quite it's quite good. It's a really great representation of her. She's four foot eight. She has red hair. She looks like, um, there was one description on there that Tim reads like an elfin something, something. She's really, really cute. Like, yeah, her website's really great. And before, you know, like I said, before thinking anything, I recommend thinking about this entire thing with an open mind. Go visit her website. And let me know anybody else that you know or yourself um, that has as such a great representation uh, as she does because her website is really good. I, I have very few friends who have a website up like that for their own services um, or expertise. So definitely take a look and, and, and see what I'm talking about. So what... The the what I really like about the way that Alice discusses Miss Little Alice Little discusses the work that she does as a sex worker is it's in a way that I've never really heard described at all and I didn't understand exactly why it would even be legal somewhere I guess um, because everywhere I've always lived it's always been illegal and of course there's a hugely negative stigma associated with being a sex worker so you know in in movies and shows and everything like this they're almost always drug addicts um, or being abused by a pimp or homeless or something like this it's definitely never seen as a in a positive light for the most part um, bar none at any rate Alice Little says something really helpful, I believe, in understanding where she's coming from. And again, if you take a look at her website, it's represented there too. Her ideas are very, very clear. I think they come come through really honestly and uh, clearly. She says that sex work is a service to the community and a need for society, a true need for society, which I 100% agree with. I mean, as a species, we need to have sex. It's proven that touch and hugs and, you know, that connection with another person not only helps us be happier in, you know, day to day, but also helps us live longer. Um, I don't see how anybody could possibly disagree with that. And secondly, to that point, she discusses a lot who attends who frequents the the brothel and you know how much it costs and it's anywhere from you know the three figure range to the seven figure range depending on what kind of experience people are looking to have uh another really interesting point is that a lot of people that come to her are not comfortable with sex they have either haven't had it or this is their first first time that they're able to communicate exactly what it is that they want. This is something that they're not able to fulfill out in society as easily as they would like to. And so they go to a destination at which, you know, the women work there as contractors. And the only place that you can negotiate the rates are in the brothel in their room. They all get tested for STIs and STDs weekly. And no person is essentially turned away. Like they have, they, every negotiation is different, she says, and there's no two 
to the same. It varies person to person. You come in, you say, you simply say, you know, what it is that you're looking for, you know, what you expect to get out of it and what your budget is. And then they go from there, which makes perfect sense, just like every other well-run business. And um, of course, they have the added, added measure of having the girls be clean so you don't have to worry about catching anything. One of the best quotes I heard in here, also courtesy of Tim Ferriss, is that uh, free sex is the most expensive sex you'll ever have in your entire life, which I no could not be more true so if the opportunity were there for men to go elsewhere um in order to have these experiences one of which alice calls the girlfriend experience which is her most popular request bar none so men come to her requesting a girlfriend experience with ba- which basically means that it's a little bit more fleshed out maybe they're going to dinner they're spending time with each other um they're getting to know each other and it's a more consistent basis however they don't have the added complication of really dating and wondering where the other is on you know on the relationship scale it's a it's it's a purely it's a service to the community um and one that is very much requested and very much in need for people who have disabilities which is another point that she brings up that I never thought of before but she mentions not only men who are virgins for whatever reason maybe they're in a wheelchair or something like this or they haven't had an opportunity to get out and meet a lot of women or men who went to war came back with PTSD and have really a difficult time hearing or you know they are not able to sleep or really have a high high level of anxiety things like this and so she works with them to make them comfortable which is why the girlfriend experience or the the person-to-person interaction and getting to know each other is so incredibly important. Alice in- emphasizes this a lot, this importance of getting to know each other. And she says uh, r- several times in the interview that when you are able to connect some with somebody on some, you know, sort of personal level first and get to know each other, then the sex is all always, you know, considerably better because you have that intimacy on that level and that men are also wanting that just as much as women are, even more so perhaps um, was what she argues just because society is so restrictive on, you know, what men can be and represent and how masculine they need to be. And it really makes it difficult for them to express their emotions or their sexual desires because of society's kind of, you know, restraint on what it is to be a man, which is another big topic for a lot of reasons and definitely something that most men I've ever met in my life do suffer from and require some need of reformed thinking, rehab or, you know, extra consideration as far as that goes. Now, of course, I am no expert, not nearly as much of an expert as Alice Little is. I I do have three younger brothers, though. Um, Granted, I haven't had sex with them, of course, because that would be gross and weird. But I do know that they grew up like many men in American society do with a lot of expectations on their masculinity. And I saw it with uh, their father as well as all of my stepfathers um, as they raised them and and enforced rules and a set of morals that had to do with being a man and manning up and, and this sort of thing. Whereas that... That was never said to me as a child. I was never told to to man up, really. Actually, maybe I was told to man up by one of those stepdads on second thought. At any rate, I like Alice Little's per her 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 viewpoint in this situation, and I think that it's quite interesting. You know, I don't know if anybody else who has really has really done the the field work that she's done. So I I think her point of view is is valid here. Um, if in, if for any reason, just for the mere fact that she's seen far more men than a lot of us have, right? So I feel like it's a reasonable, you know, a reliable and reasonable source. And just to circle back to the negotiation that they make that Alice describes on the podcast that is made in her bedroom at the brothel. It's the only place it can be made. Therein, each client is 
asked four questions. So first it's, what are we doing? Then the next question is, where are we doing it? Are we going to go out for, you know, lunch or dinner? Or are we going to go to a game? Are we going to go to a different city? Um, Where are we doing it? And what do you desire out of the experience? You know, what is the end game, the end result here? And what's your budget? Now, those four questions to me are pretty solid to be applicable, to be applied, solid enough to be applied to just about any decision you're going to be making that's including another person, any agreement with another person. You you understand what I mean? And I think that that's very rarely a conversation that's had among couples. I personally have never had that conversation. And not, I mean, I have in a in a fun way, like in a like a foreplay way, but not nearly enough to really get out of it what I think I could get out of it because I'm just simply not talking about it. And that's where I believe the the ex, the true expertise that Alice has comes in and, and is is clearly seen because she's actually just talking to her clients about it. And I, I I frankly I know for a fact that I'm just not having that many of those conversations now or historically. Although I will I will start to have more of those. There's one thing that's for sure, and that's that you can count on me. I'm I'm a really, really good student, and I aim to please. But really, though, I think that the the value in this conversation and having this conversation myself or you having a conversation with whoever um, you want to engage uh, sexually with is the val- the true value of what's happening at that the negotiation at the Bunny Ranch. Because if you are someone who's decided that you are going to go there, it forces you to be honest and communicate exactly what it is that you're looking for, what you're learning for, what you're missing, you're not getting, what you're not able to ask for in your regular life, what you're too embarrassed about or you don't have an outlet for. You go there and you you say exactly what that is. And that has got to give you an incredibly clear and eye-opening view of people and the world and what it is that they're going through. And that's the the point that I want to make here is that I think that there's true value in actually having that conversation. And that's what I found really, really interesting about this part of the interview with, with Alice Little is that she did a really good job at explaining exactly what that was like, what happens, and why it is that people are coming to see her and why the girlfriend experience is so popular because you not only get to know the person a little bit, but it's a reoccurring experience. So you see that person sporadically, you know, a few times a year or more often than that. So yeah, and that was really, really interesting. Which brings me to the last interesting point of the interview with Miss Alice Little. And perhaps this this makes a lot more sense to you than it did to me, but there's a stark contrast in opinion and view of girls who work in different parts of the sex industry, Um, from strippers to sex workers to porn stars. Everyone thinks differently of each other and of themselves, of course. And it was interesting to me to hear not only that, but Alice Little's opinion on the porn industry. And Tim Ferriss asked her specifically about this at the very end of the interview. And her statement about it is quite jarring. It was jarring to me anyway. The reason that she finds it that it's ruining America, and this is something that I've heard before. Now, I have read some articles and heard some stories about men who've watched porn from a very young age because it's been free on the internet now for, I don't know, more than a decade or two. And it's caused them to be really, really um, addicted and really, really uh, advanced in their sexual fantasy and what they've been exposed to. So when it comes time to actually have sex with a woman, they're really a little underwhelmed and they can't get off and their penis doesn't work and they have to go back and masturbate with more porn. I saw an episode of the Chelsea Lately Show where there were these two men that went on and talked about how they had rehabbed themselves from porn and how their penis wasn't working, but now it was working again because they quit watching porn. So you can take a look at that. I think it's on YouTube. I'll link it in the show notes too. But at any rate, 
I've known a little bit about this, but what Alice says is that it's ruining America because there's no way to guarantee that the work that's being done and the the films that are being made are consensual. There's no way to know that the girls are of age, that they're being compensated. And, you know, most men, she says this, most men that I know are simply scrolling through, going to the site, scrolling through and finding whatever looks interesting to them and clicking on on the video. That was big for me, I'll be honest. And um, it makes a lot of sense. I've definitely scrolled through some porn myself and seen some that didn't really seem right. And I'm like, hmm. With this added concern, I don't know that I will, well, I don't want to make any um, decisions now, but you catch my drift. Another point is that uh, men are really, really rough with their genitals when they are masturbating with porn. And she says, again, that the the decreased sensitivity is a a big, big factor. So there's one point that I want to bring up that is another new thing that I learned, which is the fleshlight. And um, the fleshlight is a like makeshift hole that feels amazing, apparently, and men use it to masturbate with so they don't hurt their willies, which is great because we don't want anybody to hurt their willies. Check out the website, by the way. That's a really great visit to fleshlight.com. It's very, very, very popular. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, that wasn't so hard, was it? I didn't make it super awkward or strange at all. And I helped educate you a little bit about the porn industry and about sex work and about fleshlight. So if there are three things that I want you to take from this cool interview where Tim Ferriss is hilarious at asking questions and Alice Little is super cool. It's number one that sex is a topic that needs to be discussed. Please talk about sex so that you can live out your fantasies the way that they are on the bunny ranch because there's no reason why you should have to go all the way to the bunny ranch to do that, especially if you're a female. I mean, hello, the power lies within. And number two would be the negotiations. When, where, what do we expect? What's the budget? If you're in business, I think that's quite helpful. And number three is porn. Think about porn, guys. Get a flash, flashlight or a flashlight, but don't use your flashlight like a flashlight. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will come back again and listen to some more. If you uh, have any questions for me or you want to check out those links that I mentioned, you can reach me at mytalkingdollars.com slash podcast. That's mytalkingdollars.com slash podcast. Get on there. Tell me what you think. Take a look at Alice's link to her website. So her website's pretty cool. I don't care what you think about sex workers or whatever, but the girl's got a pretty bomb website. So check it out. Love you. Thanks. Do more good and uh, be nice to your friends. Bye. You know, it should be noted also that that movie Trolls, there's a big part of it. And every time it's hug time, they have to hug and they get a little alert on their phone. They say hug time and then they hug each other. And I think that's so great, especially because it's been proven. Researchers have done the research and they've proven that getting five hugs per day actually makes you happier. Hugging, like that skin to skin touch, that hug with a person makes you happier. So I try to do this all the time by announcing it's hug time. It doesn't really work most often, except for with my boyfriend. It's hug time. You should try it.